Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peake. We are here, episode 164, with Jen Barkin. Yahoo! Ooh, you're back My again. My favorite time of the month. Man, is. this is like... Bringing the fire, bringing the energy. You're like a regular hey, occurrence now, I feel, at this point. I'm this bringing it today, y'all. I, like it. Oh, no. I, I am feeling, I'm feeling spicy. Ooh, okay. I, I saw I saw Jen's name uh, on the on the notes this morning, and I was like, oh, I don't even need to look at the news articles or anything. Like we're no we're going to have plenty to discuss. <laughs> oh, uh, first of all, man. happy birthday to my daughter Sydney. Uh, oh, she turns wow. twelve today. Oh man, Sid Sid the kid, not Sid the science kid. That makes her very mad. Um, there's a TV show that she she doesn't like that. But <laughs> Sydney is the excuse that I was able to use for the only time in my life to drive 90 miles an hour on a 35 mile an hour road because from the time my wife went into labor to the time that she uh, delivered was like less than an hour. Okay. Like Did this you, was straight out of a hospital though. That's my kind of kid, man. Like parking lot baby. She's, she's come, she's ready to roll. If it was anyone else other than Melanie, it would have been a parking lot baby. I'm convinced like we were, you had <laughs> to drive powers. to get to the hospital in the South Hills of Pittsburgh. You have to drive through a residential neighborhood that's been around since like the forties. So it's, you know, <laughs> we were flying and then I get behind an ambulance on its way to the hospital in this residential neighborhood, cars parked on the side, narrow streets, and she is holding on to the top of the car, screaming at the top of her lungs. Sounds amazing. Pass them, pass them. And I was like, honey, it's they're the going the same place we are. They're full of medical professionals. I'm not going to kill someone or hit a car when we're, you know, half a block away from and it's the It's like a private hospital, escort, but... right? At this point, like, hopefully. Yeah, and all the all the nurses and everyone, were make, they're making faces and hand motions. And they're like, we're not going to make it. We're going to have to do this on our own. And she just crosses her legs and says, give me an epidural and call the doctor. I'm not, nothing's happening until I get an epidural. <laughs> this is insane. Oh it my. was, uh, it, it gets worse. Uh, okay. As the, uh, one of the few, the only times I've been like screamed at and physically assaulted by my spouse while she delivered as well. I think that's acceptable um, during these moments. I was gonna so say, happy birthday, Sid. This one's birthday. for you. Happy birthday, Sid. Oh, that's amazing. All right. Let's head on into story time. And Jen, ladies first. All right. Well, I really want to talk about this with you as a as a team because let's do it. Is this HR talk an right now? Intervention? Wait, what's <laughs> happening? Well, I'm being well no, I, I just I'm doing some self-reflection. And there's an epidemic, guys, happening in I like really epidemics better than pain. an epidemic happening in the world of sales and working from home and kind of the level of professionalism that is happening now. And I mm. and I can say this because one, I work from home, right? Have worked from home for five years now. My husband, who is in sales, not new home sales, but is in sales, works from home. And I am experiencing this with my own eyes, with him, and <laughs> with our online sales professionals okay. out there. Okay. And so what's happening is really with the, you know, when COVID happened and everybody really shifted to working from home, things have just gotten really flat and, 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 and lax in the way that we are presenting ourselves as sales professionals. And so specifically, like, you know, I'm looking at my husband who he doesn't listen to this. So I'm just going to talk about him. <laughs> he is an amazing salesperson. Let me just start off by saying that. However, he will roll into work, like in his pajamas, basically. Okay. And like, okay. will yeah. And we'll be on these calls and things like that off camera and he's, you know, whatever. And, and I'm, or so, I'm or so he thinks, <laughs> so he thinks, right. You. Well, the reason I'm getting so like spicy and passionate about this is because I'm seeing a pattern with our online sales specialist hmm. 
on coaching calls, you know, that's really the only time I'm seeing them, right? On training calls and things like that, where they're they're rolling into work looking as if they're just rolling off of their couch or rolling off of their their bed. And and I say this with all of the love in my hearts for them. I'm concerned because online sales specialists are the front door of our organizations. They're the front door of our builders. And so they are the front facing professionals. We haven't had to do a lot of video emails and things that have been personalized lately, but we're going to have to start as things get harder. We're going to have to insert their beautiful faces back into the worlds of our customers, the worlds of our salespeople on site and things like that. And if we're just so like lackadaisical about how our appearance is going and how we're presenting ourselves, I'm just concerned. Like what, and then I'm asking myself, am I just being like an old lady who's like, you know, dress code, you you wore a suit to work, you, you know, you, you roll in and you're ready to go. I mean, I, I have this stuck in my head as you always dress for the job that you want, not the job that you have. Like, that's how I was brought up. Sure. And I'm, I'm just thinking like, we really need to have a better standard for what we're wearing at at home, at least from the waist up, <laughs> be camera from ready, be from the waist up. You want to wear your shorts and your yoga pants on the bottom, go for it. Yeah. But like your hair and makeup should be clean. Like your hair should be clean and brushed and you should have some makeup on ladies and men too. Yeah. You know, I think about, so before I move on, I just want to stop and say, am I being too heated about this? What are y'all's thoughts about it? Well, I think, no, you're not being too heated. And unfortunately, the reason we have to get heated about stuff like this is because managers aren't. Because maybe the same manager is also not getting ready for the day in the same way because they're not out doing one-on-ones or visiting the corporate office. And so feel a little bit hard about holding other people accountable for a standard that you yourself aren't keeping. I'm not sure what it is, but it's not just salespeople or people working from home in general. It's become lax. It's kind of... If, if Jeff Shore was on the podcast, what he would say is that everyone's become primarily only concerned with, did we win the game and kind of could care less about how he played it like that. That's Mm. not irrelevant. Like back off, Jen, I don't care if my hair is wet and it looks like I just cried because there's makeup smeared all over from yesterday that I didn't take off my face or whatever it is, because look at all the appointments that I've scheduled and the sales my company has made. Does it really matter? Mm. And I think that's the difference between professionals and amateurs. Yes. But yes. And not ever, and, and here, here, here's why people will give you rub and it's okay if they are, because if they're mad yeah. at you seeing those things, they're amateurs. Right. I okay. might be tempted to edit that out later, but oh, that's my feedback and, and is. And, and if funny. somebody listening to this disagrees, like, come, like, let's talk about it. Like, seriously, because I get so like, this is 57% of uh, sales are coming from the online sales program. That was our latest quarter two you know, update. Right. And like, this is a big part of our organization. And I feel like we've slipped into like the mindset of, you know, it's, yeah, we're, we're almost like a call center of like people just like sitting at home and like answering calls in our pajamas. And and like, I, as I'm speaking those words, I get so upset because I think about all the blood, sweat, and tears that have gone into moving this position to the forefront of organizations and like how important it is and that it's seen truly as a career and not just as, you know, like you're saying, it's just like a job over here or whatever. Right. As much as people don't want to accept that it's true, impressions do matter all the time. Oh my gosh. Uh, and unfortunately, it just is what it is. Impressions matter often more than substance. I had an initial call with a gentleman who runs a large company. He's probably worth, if not $100 million, close to it. He's He asked no questions or was not overly impressed with my knowledge or skill or any of that. He's like, hey, why do you look so good on camera? What are you using? Why do you sound so good? Can you teach my people how to all sound like that? 
No, what is that <laughs> microphone right now? I need like, that's funny. And so if I had just rolled onto this call with someone that I didn't know, I didn't understand the background or what was going on. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, Hey, I've got this webcam with smudges all over it. And it sounds like I'm way over here in outer right. space. The perception from that person would be totally different and our relationship would not be what it is today. Right. Well, listen, perception is huge. So I'm reminded of a story I want to share real quick. Mike and I are on a coaching call with a brand new team. First time we're getting on together. Okay. So we've never met them before. We get on and we're like, hey, what what are your current challenges? What's going on? And they're like, you know, our salespeople just look at us as appointment setters. Like they don't take us seriously. They don't you know, they don't really pay attention to our appointments. They're not communicating with us back and forth. And I'll never forget it. And this is why I love Mike so much. He said, well, you're dressed in a hoodie and a ball cap. (laughs) You're, you're dressed in a hoodie and a ball cap. Yeah. Are you a freelancer? What what are you? Right. Like Mm -hmm. if you are an online sales professional and you want to be treated as such and bridge that gap between your on-site team, you know, put on a collared shirt and represent yourself as, you know, as the professional that you want to be taken seriously. I mean, it it is all about perception. I know, I know it can be insulting and some people have already turned off the podcast and said, next time we'll come back and give you another shot. But you called me an amateur. What I'm talking about is professionals do things they don't want to do because they need to be done like that. That's how I know my daughter, my oldest daughter, Avery, love you too, honey, is not a professional soccer player. Because when she comes back from practice, what does she do? She complains as kids are wont to do about, yeah. I don't know why we had to do that exercise. And I mean, so-and-so benched the senior and why don't, no one knows why. Like, well, then you're not a professional. Sorry. You'd understand that the coach's job is to coach. Your job is to play, to run the exercise called, yeah. you know, just get it done and wear your equipment and be, and, and I, this is not really my story time, but I, I want to add on to this. I was at Panera Bread yesterday with someone and there's just this, I put it in the, in the Slack channel here so you guys can see it. There's just this paper sign over top of all of the, it says, sorry for the inconvenience, cashier unavailable, please use the kiosks. So the only people that were Great. able to show up today at Panera were the ones in the back making the food. Hopefully they were trained to do so and they didn't just pull the cashier off the front line and say, hey, you make stuff now. Yeah, good luck. Although it's Panera, so not my favorite place anyway. You probably could just pull it out of a bag and stick it in the microwave. I was going to say, the macaroni comes from a frozen bag and the soups. And I'll find out. Like, Mia just got a job there. But it struck, the it struck me <laughs> that this place cannot get employees. And yet, again, it's, it's the company that should be sponsoring the podcast. Chick-fil-A has a waiting list of people yeah. to work there. If you right. are a teenage person and you want to work at Chick-fil-A, get in line mm-hmm. and prepare to interview. And yet... Ironically, back to the back to the presentation standpoint, Jen, Chick-fil-A requires everything that teenagers hate in life. Yeah. Like you, you better wear that uniform. You're getting sent home if you don't. You better smile and be pleasant. You mm-hmm. better say my pleasure. All this stuff. And they are begging and knocking down the doors to, to work there. And that's why when you mentioned this, I was like, eh, some of the blame better go back to management and or ownership as well. Yeah, because think, well, Chick-fil-A has a standard that they require and, and, and inspect what they expect. I think that is more, so I feel like there's a little bit of boomerish in, in this, but, but I, I feel like and I just have I'm to saying, be the counter yeah, to like, y'all. I think the Panera versus Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A is <laughs> better to work at. Like, oh, you work at Panera? Oh, oh, you're at Chick-fil-A? You give me some nuggies. Give me the most, like, it's like better. Oh, I don't think it, it has is, anything to do with the food. I think it's much cooler to work at Chick-fil-A if I were to pull 20 high schoolers than Panera. I think they'd be like Chick-fil-A all day, despite the... But not because of the food, because of the oh, no, type of organization of the they are. Because of the Really? Because of the food. Oh, well, the culture, the food. Yeah, because Panera's, Panera's like, like, that's like, oh, that's like healthy. That's, yeah, like, that's it's like not healthier a cool place eating. To be. And, I th- as far as just that yeah. age demographic, like I think it's, I don't know what they pay. We need a poll in the market proof market. Okay. <laughs> group. I mean, it's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not discounting that the chicken's good. But if yeah. you're telling me that Chick-fil-A is the coolest fast food place that you could work at in uh, most towns, that would be shocking to me. I'm trying to think what would be a cooler uh, fast food place to work at. Or just restaurant. I mean, no oh, one can get employees. We're, yeah. we're, we're talking any job you want is yours if you're 16 and up right now. 
in retail or service. I've got signing yeah. bonuses. At I think Chick. Like, I think Chick, it's all of it, but it's like it's the brand, it's the culture, it's the food. Like if Chick Fil A was not the best chicken sandwich, yeah. the best, then all those things wouldn't matter too. So I think it's yeah, like, and maybe it's because I've had it too much. I'm not even sure it's the best at anything. It's like well, it's, it's above um, average food, and it's the same. Like but the entire experience is pleasant from beginning it's to like end. It's like a cumulative effort of all of it is yeah. better, is better. I think yeah. the, the caveat is, I think some of the people, Jen, that you've interacted with, maybe they're, there's a misalignment of the audience. They're like, oh, I'm hanging out with Jen. I'm just going to dress whatever. Da, 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 da. I don't know, because they, mm. they're like, oh, Jen's great. I love her. She's awesome. I'll be comfortable. Oh, like, would so they, they, dress wouldn't, differently? they wouldn't present themselves like that if it was Mike on the call or a, an Correct. upper management? Yeah, I'm just I don't still think you have the luxury of being mm. that careless with everything because your upper management could be in like two minutes, get on a call right now and you're not ready. That, okay. Now, Kevin, that is exactly what I'm saying. Is that emails, let's, like, let's talk about what day. are the solutions? Like, how do you inspect what you expect? Mm -hmm. That's when you do, you lay out managers listening, you lay out what the expectations are, and then you've got to do impromptu let's hop on a zoom call right now and chat and see yeah, what's yeah, going on. If there's no expectation, you know? then it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah. I think that's where what's almost like right. at the, say the builder show is coming up 10 years ago, the percent of men in suits was X. Now it's, I'm sure drastically lower. Like we're just leaning towards more casual yeah. as a society, yeah, yeah. but we're not, we're not 90% in a, Tank top. No, I just mean like the, right. the weighted averages. <laughs> that's, that's where Jen's coming down. from. Yeah, I don't know how casual they are. How With, like is their hair like they literally right. just rolled out of bed right. or is it like in a sloppy bun? Yeah, we're, yes. we're talking yeah. on a scale of one to ten, a two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. Right. I'm just I'm just saying, I'm not saying everybody has to be like glamour shot, hair you know, ready. Like, I'm saying, I'm saying you need to be clean. clean. You need to be <laughs> did have, you, did, did, you know, let me smell was you. it? Was it just someone's uh, comment to a video that you shared of yourself, to be clear, that said, or did you actually say in the video, wipe your butt? <laughs> okay, no, what I said was, I said, I said, prepare your hearts and prepare your butts, meaning I was about to lay it, lay down some tough yeah. love, wipe but butt. it, <laughs> I didn't say wash your butts. Right, yeah, that's, <laughs> let's add that to the list. Oh, man, maybe shirt, I should have said that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying like, be, be presentable, you know, yeah, yeah, like, I agree. but I 1000% like if you, yeah. if there's a barrier, like the video email, like if there's a barrier, like, oh, I better go put, do my hair really quick. Like you should have done that at like seven 30 or whatever time you're getting ready. So you could just like do Listen, it when you when need you, to do it. When you look good, you feel good. You know, when you look good, you feel good and you perform better. It's just psychology. Me too. I mean, that is, that yeah. is that's yeah. true. And that's, and that's just my whole thing where let me just, I just want to bring it back to the reason I'm getting, I'm saying this and sorry if you lost some followers. That's <laughs> yeah, all good. <laughs> the reason I'm saying this is we got to get strong and prepared for what's coming next. And we got to brush up on our skills, our self-image, our front facing customer service you know, qualities that this is why you're hired and in the seat. And, you know, that's why I'm getting so, you know, like we, we, we got to pay e attention. Even if to things don't get stuff. hard and we, the, the, we promise this is not going to be an well, entire episode yeah. on, on dress code violations. Yeah. <laughs> I know people like what is happening, but do you want to advance your career? Like I know for a fact that I was invited one time exactly. to a meeting. It was the first billionaire that I ever met that, that my boss at the time was like, Hey, this is a really big project we're working on. This gentleman's going to be there. I'd like you to sit in on the meeting. If there was any perception that I might not show up, and again, it, it's a cumulative effect. Everyone has one bad day, right? The other day I was on a call with Jen and internet exactly. goes out, cable guy shows up, dogs, cats, everyone everywhere. All the broke. Can't find the mute button. It, it, I mean, it happens. Every, every, oh, yeah. I'm not trying to embarrass you, Jen. I'm just saying Terrible. everything can happen now and then. But yeah. again, Jen, what you're talking about exactly. is a consistent behavior where if, if the perception exactly. of me was Kevin sometimes just doesn't do what he needs to do to present himself. Well, he's not coming to that meeting. He's mm -hmm. not getting that extra interview. You're not right. having that additional conversation. 
And, and I think people discount that that has picked up. I mean, Paul Fireman, who great, great friend of mine, built our initial website at Heartland, worked with him for many, many years when, when I was in Pittsburgh, his entire office looked like something out of a movie, like books and dust and stuff everywhere. It was like the absent-minded professor's um, library. And if I had ever seen that space prior to hiring him, I would never have worked with him. I, I accepted that, but I also knew like, I need to be the one making deadlines, making sure we're on track. My team has to keep things organized because that man, love you, mm -hmm. makes amazing websites, does amazing creative work, not a good organizer. So impressions do last as well. You just got to be careful. You know, but everyone, ha everyone has a bad day. Yeah. Everyone has things that, that happen too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And some people just aren't, don't do well working from home. They yeah. just, you know, that's true. And but, but maybe don't wonder too much why you got passed over for, you know, online sales manager. If you don't want to put in the, the effort to, to be above and be professional. All right, Andrew, you Andrew. got something to lighten the mood here. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll lighten the mood. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about working <laughs> out. No, I'm not. It's related to that. Uh, so I'm friends with the owner at the gym I go to, which is a lot of fun for some reason he he thinks of a lot of insight and things related to business which is good a little sarcasm there but maybe not so he's he's having he, there's different types of lifters there all bring in different types of revenue and they cost different amounts based on the equipment needs that they they have the, i think people can see the correlation over to, to buyers there's different products we sell there's different price points all these sorts of things and there's different levels of neediness out of different types of buyers as well He's having an issue with a certain type of clientele at the gym. And I'm like, have you ran the numbers? Because he's just frustrated with them. Have you ran the numbers? Like, what will you lose if every single one of those people leave? What have you spent trying to make them happy? So I'm like, here, just do this. I did like run on a piece of paper. I'm like, do this. Text it to me later, whatever. It was like $900 a month he would lose. And this is like month. This is like silly numbers thinking about like a house is, you know, half a million dollars, yeah. probably $900 a month. But, you know, he has, you know, 800 members. So he's like, if, I, if I'm really spending this much, I'm like, how much have you spend trying to make them happy? And it, it's so stupid. I'm like, if this dude would have ran the numbers, I'm like kind of friends with him. Not, I wouldn't go to like hang out with him, but like we're friends at the gym because he's the owner. I'm nice and friendly. Yeah. But I'm like, this dude is wasting so much money trying to make this subset of customers happy that really don't even do anything for him. I'm like, I think we probably yeah. do this too, but they're the loudest. They're the squeaky wheel. They're the, the door that creaks, whatever. They're the one that has the issue. And we, and then it mm -hmm. escalates to like, oh my goodness, we have this huge issue across the whole gym or across the whole company, the floor plan, this design option that we don't have that. And then if you run the numbers, I think it could bring things back to reality is like, oh, we don't need to add that crazy option, that single customer added and that this one salesperson said we need to have, or this floor plan, whatever it may be. And just, I feel like everything, just as things start to get uh, more stressful, the numbers, I don't think will lie. I think that will be like where the truth is as far as like, at least bringing, all right, let's get the emotions out of here. Let's try to talk about this. Let's look at the numbers and then we can move forward from there. But if you don't run the numbers, like this dude is not a numbers guy whatsoever. I'm like, you spent like 12 grand trying to make $900 a month happy. Like that's a long time to make up. And that group hasn't grown. So it's not like that 900 per month turned into 9,000 per month or 2,000. Yeah. So it was like just such a waste of mental effort and stress on his end, like the space, the real, it's like the, everything. The, the, only, the only wrinkle I could think of is if those people were influencers of others who might be attending. So like the, yeah. the, the ripple like the effect ripple of effect if you have of, someone who's got a million Instagram mm -hmm. followers in Tampa, who's big into lifting. Yeah, that's definitely, then, then you got to take that into an account, yeah, but which there's generally speaking, so many fitness influencers, it's, it's, it's cringy. Um, I'm like, Oh, there's one at the gym. There's another one, but they're really not. But yeah, that's definitely a thought. Cause like he's, he's on, it's interesting talking to him because there's definitely a lot more influencer marketing with fitness than there is with home building. Um, so he's approached almost daily with people trying to get stuff out of him. Um, which is, I had no idea. Like really every single day is like every day. Someone's like trying to get free this, free that. I'll promote your stuff. They're like two hours away. Like who cares? Like I'm a gym over in here. Yeah. It, it's, it is interesting um, market for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Um, my story time is all about the fun and joy of selling your own home, Ooh. building your own home and building mm. a pool. 
at the same time. Hmm. So not asking for sympathy. It's just, it's comical. It's a, but Good I was told, I told the marketing group at Duke earlier today, I would build a new house every year. I love it. I love everything about it. Even when things aren't, it's just like smooth sailing, even when things aren't smooth, that doesn't, doesn't phase me at all. I never want to build another pool in my life. Uh, and pool contractors are just, you know, I was saying like, you know, a, a lot of felons are in construction and, and, and a lot of felons in particular are painters. Uh, but if you don't make it as a painter, you're probably a pool contractor, uh, not for commercial <laughs> pools, but for residential pools. It's just the biggest racket, the amount of, of money they require, the lack of progress, lack of communication. I mean, we looked a lot of other industries to inspire home builders, but pool builders, you need to look at home builders to get inspiration on how to do some of the basics really well. But the, but the fun part of my story is doing for sale by owner, uh, listing on Zillow, running Facebook ads. The, the first thing is, I've reached 3,500 views on, on the house basically in nice. the last seven days, eight days. And so I'm done. Like I, what I, what I know is that there are enough people who have seen this house that it will sell for a price that I want. Um, and so I'm, I'm done in that sense. Now I'm going to continue to run ads, um, leading up to our open house, which is this Sunday from one to four. If you're in the area, just stop by and, uh, and say hello. <laughs> But it's it's done. So there's 58, 59 saves on the house, 40, 3,500 wow. views, and the entertaining part comes from all the real estate agents. So I don't think I, yeah. You know. Well, hold on a second. So you're doing you're doing for sale by owner. Yep. Right now it's just listed on Zillow. Okay. All right. Made a Facebook page okay. so I can run ads. Because I'm getting ready to do this. I'm getting ready. And, to and do here's this the thing we, on the MLS rental. Like so, it's on like this. It's yeah. There's even, there's. There's a couple of wrinkles this time from what I would normally do. Normally I would pay a flat fee to get it listed in the MLS as well. And right. I was like, eh, let's just see what happens. Normally, normally let's I would uh, put out yeah. a big, like a, a good looking sign in front of my house that would say that it's for sale as well. Um, I will have three directional signs um, for the open house weekend. Um, nice. But there's no, there's for no sale for sale sign, sign out front. front. And, and there's, okay good reason for that. So it's been crazy. I mean, we, I've, the first thing that I should, I mean, again, everyone makes mistakes. So five days, six days in like, man, I have gotten a ton of text messages and a couple phone calls, but I still haven't gotten any emails. And normally I get quite a few email, uh, inquiries as well. And, and I was talking to Mike and he was like, Oh yeah, when we just did our last house, our lake house, everything was through that form completion. And what did I not do? I didn't go and fill out my own dang contact form. I mean, it's not my website, it's Zillow's, but oh, to test to it, test see what was it. happening, where, where it goes. I yeah. tested to make sure that my, my email address was connected to my profile, but son of a gun, those, those guys and gals at Zillow pulled another one over. So now if you do a for sale by owner, the, the lead does not come to you in any form or fashion. So I put in my wife's uh, name and number and an hour later she texts me, and she says, please, for the love, wherever you put my information, please remove it. I've gotten seven calls oh my. In, in the last hour, all from Zillow or Zillow Premier agents, not sure who, you know, asking if we want help or oh. um, if we're interested in homes, et cetera. So again, everyone makes mistakes. I didn't wait two months to figure out that the form wasn't, wasn't working as I thought, but I should have checked that sooner. So all, all the stories that I have are from text messages and phone calls, which are more fun anyway. Andrew, last time, did, did I talk about the lady who showed up on the wrong day? Actually, no, no. I couldn't have because we hadn't recorded yet. So it's last Sunday. Our open house is this Sunday. Okay. Around three o'clock and uh, a lady shows up and knocks on the door. Wife answers it. Like, Kevin, get down here. There's a realtor. Right. So I go down, say hello. And... Um, she just asked my, my wife, like, is the open house still on? And she said, no, it's not until next week. And she's like, oh, but you got a sign in the front yard. Well, the sign was for LifePoint Church's grand opening on August 29th. Probably had a big LifePoint logo. It does like, not say open house. It's got a big church symbol. Are you yeah, kidding? No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Cross. What in the world? <laughs> yeah, and, what uh, in the world? Oh, and then, you know, she called, she goes, well, I better call my, my clients real quick and let them know what's going on. And she, in front of us, the people who are selling the home. She says, Hey guys. So they've decided to not ho hold the open house today. After all, like, hello, you're, you're lying to the people about the situation in front of us, making us look bad. Like we decided to cancel. Yeah. 
And then it gets better. Oh my goodness. Um, so we explained to her, she, she has a contingent buyer. I'm like, no sweat. We got a, we got a house that has to be built. It's going to be a couple months. Happy to take a contingent offer if all the other terms are, are there. She's like, well, can we, uh, when can we get a private showing? I said, no private showings. We're going to have the open house, but they're going to be out of town. What do I do? I don't know you, whatever they need to do, but this is how it works. Sends me three additional text messages over the next three days. Like, Hey, uh, when can I get my buyers in to see that house? What can I do to get them in this house? Uh, I replied to the first one and said, there's an open house one to four, you know, groundhog day. She texted me this morning. And of course, if her client still has the best offer, they can certainly buy the house. Um, But she texted me this morning and says, can you please just tell me when we can see your property? We're going to see a new listing tonight, and I would like to see show show your house too. And I just said, as I have said many times, there are no private showings scheduled. And um, okay, thanks. So, man, all that to say, um, someone else in our neighborhood was like, I see all the activity on your house. The Zestment improved by almost 30 grand after the ads are run. So even if you're in a market where um, Zillow will offer to just buy your house, Run $250 worth of Facebook ads to your Zillow listing before you accept their Zestimate offer to buy your house. Yeah, so sneaky. that was a good investment, but it's not for everyone. And so I, I told this other person, like, if you're not doing what we do and you're not in marketing or have a history in real estate, I would never probably recommend, unless, you have, unless you've got a friend yep. to help you. Like I've helped a couple of people do it, but there's a reason why agents are are valued and used because the number of text messages and crazy that's questions. Like, and that's what I was afraid of at first. And that's why I originally had talked to Sean Carpenter. I was like, Hey, I just don't know if we have the time to talk to a hundred different families about our situation and go through all of this and all of that. Um, at the end of the day, it was just, you know, between uh, seller and, and, and buyer commission, it was just knowing what I know and knowing what, what I'm capable of doing. Like I couldn't find a way to do the math and say that my time is worth more than. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Cause I've got this rental property that I own that I want to sell, but I'm, there's tenants in there, you know, so dealing with, yeah, you know, it, really I need an investor mm-hmm. to buy it. Um, and I'm like, do I really want to deal with it or do I have the time to yeah. deal with it? And, so if you want to live vicariously through I the Oakley know. family, just make sure you're part of the market proof marketing Facebook group and I'll do like a Facebook live or something during the we'll middle of some. the open house and we'll see everyone opening up all of my drawers and oh, nice. like looking under my bed and all. It's, it is weird. Fun and awkward. Yeah. I think I had this on the last week about my neighbor who's Can't doing wait. it for sale by owner and it's still for sale. I messaged him or I posted in the group. I messaged him. I'm he like, added new pictures. Did he add a couple? I think the chair's new, maybe. I think that's a oh, new bless, photo. Bless his heart. Yeah, so did you end up him. helping him, He's Kevin? He's like, I mean, um, so if you remember, like, I'm on a north of a small road. We have a gate. They're south of us. They don't have a gate. We kind of hate each other. They call us North Korea. They're South Korea. It's a really weird relationship. So South Korea oh resident. Gosh. Florida, man, I'm Florida. telling you. I'm it's... like, hey, I'm in marketing. I, I can do <laughs> pictures. Like, no strings attached. Like, I would love to help you some better photos. It should help your house sell. Da, 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 da. It looks like an apartment with a pool, honestly. It, it looks like a cheap luxury apartment that's like 2,500 a month. Like, um, what was and with it is the, the worst floor plan, so picture. I don't think it shows well because it's, most of the homes are like 26 to 3,000 feet on two floors. This is two floors, but like 1,900 feet. So it's only eight to 900, whatever it is feet per floor. Like, so it's definitely on the smaller end for the price. So it's been on Zillow for 54 days, four days. It has just under a thousand views and 18 saves. And it's only three bedrooms. There's a lot of stuff like it's, it's overpriced, I think. And the pictures don't help. So it's one thing if you're overpriced and your pictures are amazing, but like the content's terrible. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bad. Same thing. Like take the same thought to your website. Like, why is this home not selling? Well, how are the pictures? Like, is it actually price seem justified Mm -hmm. and the content? all those sorts of deals. And this is, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's still for sale. Like, it's so embarrassing. Get this out of here. Your pictures are, I'm assuming, amazing that you have there, Kevin, of, of your- No, they're, they're all right. They're yeah. acceptable. I mean, here's the deal. This is the first time that I'm selling a house with four uh, non-infant children uh, who are homeschooled and oh. I work from home full-time. <laughs> and I mean, Everybody every, every time it's, 
I'm yeah. taking pictures on Sunday. The pictures that we took like months ago in preparation was all, you know, push everything to one side of the room, take a picture, push it all back to the other side of the room, take a picture. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Yeah. Um, so I'll do a, I'll do a 3D tour um, once everything's ready for the open house and, and, and oh, nice. post that up there as well. Oh, so. Yep. Busy Saturday then. I didn't think about that. Yes, like, we do. Good luck. I yes, hope you hired some, someone from your church, maybe some youth kids from church. You had the sign out front. Maybe you're like, I'll put two yeah. signs out front if. I get two two kids to help me. If you try directing yeah, traffic, exactly. Like, oh, all right, let's move on to, to the news. Okay. Uh, first one that it looks like Jackie, maybe Andrew stick this in there. I like the it. Picture. I just don't. You have to go once again to the yep. to the Linnea Facebook group or to the LinkedIn Linnea group. Chapman. Yeah. yeah, and it's now made the rounds everywhere. But oh, it, it it's uh yeah it's all I saw it all over LinkedIn and and Instagram the other day too. Um, Legos as a metaphor for how to properly use uh, data to, to help influence change in your organization. And it just shows the typical pile of random Lego pieces as data or uh, as a whole, and then sorted by color. Okay. That's more interesting arranged, you know, that some of them are stacked on top of each other in different shapes presented visually. It's kind of a, a bar chart uh, kind of stacked Legos again, all by color. And then, Taking all the data, sorting, arranging it, presenting it visually in a way to tell a story is the full Lego house. Um, as yeah, it's Love a really that. good example of you know, mo most people in my experience stop at sorted or arranged. Like, look, I added those numbers together and showed it to you. And then my boss just is like, I don't get it. Uh, and we get, get frustrated at them. But all you did was, you know, basic pre-algebra, uh, not even that, you know, like, yeah. Two plus five is seven. And like, okay, yeah. So what? Good What's the point? Yeah. It's good. It's a good, really good reminder. Something you could easily um, take that image and use it at a in a meeting. Explain how marketing and sales need to work together. Uh, as an example, I think, so, our, I think our pro tip on any reporting is to accompany it with a screen share video instead yeah, of just use, use Loom.com or something else to record a quick video, giving them insight and analysis. With a voice. Yeah. It's always a good way to do it. Hey, working with buyers from different backgrounds from a little site called doyouconvert.com. The coolest marketing site on the internet. Yes. No. Uh, links in the show notes, of course. But tell us, uh, beyond just what the article is about, Jen, tell us why you felt the need for yeah. this article to be out in the world. Yeah. Right now. Well, a couple of things, you know, I interviewed Corey on opt-in. She is doing some training on this, which is awesome from an online sales standpoint. This is, can be challenging when, you know, I talk to a lot of online sales specialists, they go, it's really hard sometimes working with buyers. And we say from different backgrounds, we don't say working with cultural buyers anymore. That's one thing I learned from talking with Corey, Corey. Masters from Beacon um, Homes, who um, mm -hmm. is um, from Argentina. Originally. Yes. Argentina. She's been online sales specialist yeah, for about awesome. seven years now. Super smart. You know, she's like, everybody's really from different backgrounds, but one of the thing, one of the main things, I'm just going to do some high level things here is online sales specialists have a hard time sometimes understanding people that have a different link, uh, different language than English. Right. And so sometimes we get really caught up on that and frustrated and like how to communicate with them. And so some things that she recommended were, you know, don't be afraid to move that conversation to text or email communication. It's not being rude, right? But you have a job that you're trying to help them, right? And, and that perspective of trying to help them is what we need to focus on. Uh, ask if there's a family member that could help, that could translate on their behalf. Are they working with a realtor that could translate on your behalf? slow down and take your time, right? We, we struggle with that because we're trying to, trying to get to the end of the conversation and help them. And her, her suggestion was just slow down. Remember that if, if you're frustrated as the online sales specialist, imagine how frustrated they are trying to communicate when they don't necessarily speak the same language and just change your perspective. You know, we're, we're talking a lot about this right now. We are so focused on transaction. We're so, you know, Jeff Shore talked about that at the summit. We have got to shift our perspective to being not just, you know, 411 information people, but 911. We've got to start asking people 
be more customer centric about how we can help them and moving them forward, if not now in the future. So that was really why I thought it was important for her to share that information nice. with everyone because it is challenging. Yeah, and yeah. it's something that you, you just have to be prepared for. Like it's one of those things you do not want mm-hmm. to be in a position to be winging it and not, you know, right. You do want to take the time to, to be informed and prepared to have definitely a better customer experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, next up also from doyouconvert.com, mastering Google data studio one step at a time with Sarah Simmerman. Um, she's quickly become our data studio. Um, she sent some cra- crazy stuff in there. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, stuff that even I was like, Hey, Andrew, can we, and he was like, Hey, Sarah, can we, <laughs> yeah, well, it's, can, it's, can we make that happen? I'm like, how long does this take? Well, you know, I've been working on it for a while. I'm like, okay, that's enough. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, she's definitely in the, the deepest end of the pool of data studio craziness of what is capable, not capable. Yep. And, uh, HubSpot as well. She's also kind of our, our internal HubSpot. Mm-hmm. Again, we love Lasso. We love HubSpot. Salesforce, we tolerate. Those are really the three <laughs> options that we talk to people about. Tolerate. That's funny. yeah, and so she a lot of screenshots and and kind of my favorite thing is just really building on what we've done before. So uh, a lot of good insights, a lot of good screenshots from Sarah, and then also linking to all the other posts that Andrew or I have made over the over the <laughs> months and or years at this point on Data Studio to really remove all the excuses. So I think I shot a screenshot video or screen recorded video with like um, the original recipe. With, with some recipes, as we call yeah. them, or templates that you could use to start from. Andrew made a couple of different posts. Now Sarah's got like, well, you don't like video? I got screenshots I for know, you. Which is perfect because some <laughs> people like, this is mm-hmm. like an easy follow along versus video can be kind of a pain. Um, yeah, you got to pause. Step and... by step, yeah. And she has, mm-hmm. she did a two, well, one, one's in July, then one is in August here. The second one is, you know, six questions asked when building a marketing dashboard, which is great because I think a lot of people, they, when they start, they're like, I don't know where to start or they start and they just start building and then they just have, they're too far invested to then change what should have been a different path when they started in data studio, data studio, data studio. So it's like, read this first. It will take you three and a half minutes to read it. And that should be like a little warm up before you actually start, you know, clicking the buttons in data studio. Yep. Uh, next up from our friends at Agora Pulse. Instagram carousel best practices to make your audience stop scrolling and start engaging. And again, um, I don't hate carousel as much as I used to because Facebook finally made the important change of requiring um, something as your goal other than engagement on carousel ads. That was really my main knock on carousel format was that it was counting every swipe as an engagement originally. And now really we'll get to the article in a second, but I want to pause Andrew and have a quick discussion about um, first party data and why that's so important for Facebook, not just for builders. We still know, uh, cause Andrew talked about it at the summit that collection ads overall win. Yep. They just, they just, they just do. Most people still don't want to do them, I guess, because they think they're hard. They're not necessarily that hard other than the initial setup of getting going. But um, at the end of the day, I think it's that, the reason carousel ads win the most is that there's more interaction that Facebook can see natively in the app. So you click on the image or one of the boxes and you go to an, an instant experience where they're timing. How long are you looking? Are you moving up and down on the screen? Mm-hmm. What's happening there? And all that data can help them know, oh, this is a good person to target or not without relying on the Facebook pixel on the back end and the activity on the website itself. And I think carousel ads uh, still have some of that now because we're no longer paying for the engagement, but the engagement can still be tracked and analyzed by Facebook to say, hmm, if someone's going through five or six images, that might be um, someone I should target more people like them, create a separate cohort than someone who just swipes through one picture and, and moves on to the next post. So again, if you're surprised that I'm tolerating an article about carousel, it's not as bad as it, as it used to be. But Agora Pulse gives some examples of ways to make it a little more uh, interactive. And uh, Andrew, you want anything here? Yeah, it's a little bit of a, of a how-to on how to do them and just different ideas. Like you could do a panorama and just how to, you know, that'd be like where the images are synced up. And I think we've all seen these where you're like, like especially like the panorama approach where you have like part of an image on the mm-hmm. previous slide and you're like, oh, there's something there. 
And so that's kind of the end goal is to like tease what is next because then they're more likely to find out what is next. Like I've done, a, I did a couple of carousels while ago. I was doing like these how-tos on my Instagram and I literally put in there like swipe right or swipe and I had the little arrows and it seemed to help. Um, but it's still, I think another reason the collection ads do work on a mobile phone, on a mobile phone, on a phone, on your phone, <laughs> the, the vertical up down swipe is like the default behavior going left to right. It's still not normal. It's like if you walk into a store and you don't see the aisles left to right in a row and a column and you see them rows, it's like, this is weird. That's not the way stores work. Like they're always like you walk in and you see, you just pick which one you go down. I feel like right. it's not natural still to go left to right on, on anything. On, mm -hmm. on your phone or on desktop. So there's this resistance, even though that is what you are doing. I think they should make it similar to stories would be interesting where you just yep. tap, tap versus a swipey thing. Yep. Yeah. And, and I'm, I was, and again, I just gave people a hard time about not making collection ads. I don't want to make a collection ad for my own house. So I use the carousel format and, uh, and it's, it's done really well. But again, it's also when you've taken 50 pictures of your house already, you got plenty to load up and plenty of, again, data for the system to, to analyze. All right, let's end with what I think is the one you're looking forward to, Andrew. Yeah. It is um, from uh, ChristopherPenn.com. Uh, Christopher Penn it has a podcast that he does with John Wall called Marketing Over Coffee, I think is the name That's of it. Something. It's, I know I had his, which this is really funny. So he talks about why your content marketing is not working. He starts an article where he loves his email newsletter. He built the server it runs on. Like he obviously is, <laughs> I won't be biased because I don't like his newsletter. It's like too much. Like it's not how I, I digest very few newsletters and email. Like that's just not what he I He doesn't do. care about polish whatsoever. He He's doesn't. a data guy at the end of the day. He yeah. Doesn't. So it's just get it out there. And that he shows his Almost data. like make it intentionally ugly. So it's like uh -huh. a good B movie is good because it's so bad. You know? Yeah, exactly. And then, so he's like, I don't like Facebook. So he has something against Facebook, which I, I get, but I'm also like, if we're trying to sell houses and you don't like Facebook, I don't really care. Like, let's just sell more houses. I'm not going to have some moral dilemma about privacy, but I just want some more houses. Maybe that's bad to say out loud. Who knows? But I don't really know his true reasons why he doesn't like Facebook. Um, but he has this quote at the bottom. So he's like, he does not want to work on Facebook. He will not, and, and, and he just won't do it. And then it leads to where to go. He has this quote. Here's a challenge. You can't make someone, including yourself, love something you can't make. Yourself love Facebook or email marketing. You can't become proficient at it, certainly regardless of your feelings about it, but your efforts, efforts will always lack that spark that only can come from deep emotional investment. Man, this is Dr. Phil. So it's, it's, it's like the challenge of um, if you really love TikTok, it's going to be easy. You'll want to put time into it, energy. Even if you're driving, you're thinking about making TikToks. Maybe that's not where you should be, um, but maybe you should be or someone else should be on whatever platform needs the attention that you are not emotionally invested in. Yeah, I think, I think it's a lot of really good insight as to why stamina is so important and you can't, you're not going to do something consistently. And, yep. you know, Andrew and I have had this conversation um, just a couple weeks ago around the summit where if you don't do something for a long period of time or you're not presented with the initial ability to do it, you can kind of fantasize in your head how you would do it better or like, oh, I could do that. That'd be easy. But and let, let's just take, you know, um, creating video content for your builder. Oh, that's easy. I can just buy a camera and get it done. Ha, just kidding. It's incredibly hard. There's a huge learning curve. And so if you don't have the will to push through all that because you just love prospecting, making video content <laughs> or you love the process of creating the content would yeah. be even better mm -hmm. that you're less tied into yeah. the outcome, but the process, then you'll push through it and you'll continue to create content. That's one of the reasons why. I've written for professional builder as long as I have. And, you know, sometimes we're like, eh, should we still keep writing? Like not everyone loves to write as much as I do. Mm -hmm. And, and so they're like, eh, I don't know if I, if I want to write, but it's easy for me. And so I can write on a continual basis without it becoming a problem. So I think there's oh. both from the creator side and the audience side. I think that's, what's really important here yeah. ding, ding, ding. is yeah. You have to make sure that you love something that's actually yeah. results oriented. You bet. So if you, you better. if you only, if the only thing you love doing, I don't know what the online sales component here would be, Jen, but if the only thing you phone. love doing is click, is clicking the automate button in Lasso or HubSpot, if that's the only thing you like doing, then we're going to have problems. I feel like 
I'm going to go like way left field on this. I feel like we, as a culture, we as society, society mm-hmm. are, you don't want to work at Panera because that job sucks. Don't do it. Don't show up. This is kind of the same it's sort of attitude. Like if you can't, if you don't like picking up the phone and talking to 30 people in a day and answering forms, don't do it. Leave. That's really mean. But like, really, it, it's kind of the <laughs> truth. Isn't it? If you don't like making video content and don't like talking about it, leave. Yep. Like all of it. Like if you don't you know, like numbers, you shouldn't be in marketing. Or at least you need to then hire someone who's good at numbers so then you can focus on what you love, which I think is what Chris's point is, is like, I don't know if he, says it and I don't think he did, but like, I, maybe I would like him a lot more on Facebook or Instagram if he presented same content, but native to how I like to digest content. And then I'd be like, Chris, he's amazing. But I had his email newsletter and it's just too overwhelming for my brain to just like glance through. Um, yeah. And podcasting is a great example where the whole reason we started this podcast, Andrew, was because we were already getting together and having these conversations. Anyway, we thought, hmm, yeah, we'll let's just record it. It was like, invite just, some people. Yeah, just you and I. Then I think, I can't remember if Becca was like just a few months before. It was like right around, like, yeah, it was just Kevin and I. We'd talk a little bit about yeah. our builders, go through them, and then there'd be like 45 minutes on marketing stuff. Yeah. So we thought we'll just do it. So we're, we've incorporated this process and it's it's iterated over the years, but it's essentially the same thing that we were already doing. And so it's been easy for us to do that, whereas um, there are still other podcasts out there in, in the same space, but the num- compared to the number of podcasts that have been started and then quickly abandoned after one, two, four episodes. Or seasons, yeah. Like the only reason you, ha- you have stamina is because you enjoy it. Yes. And that, that emotional energy gets refilled as well as the physical energy. But, but that, again, we're all focused on the creator side. I think from the audience perspective, the other part is you can't, make someone love that. So you as a creator might get all this energy from it. And then the data says it's not worth doing. Like it's really mm-hmm. not worth doing. You have, you have eight listeners you put in a total of 10,000 hours. Yeah. You know, so, so you also have to find content that people love consuming. And then you better and, like making that content or somehow like. Or it's just a hobby. And again, it. you're not a professional, yeah. you're an amateur, in which case go ahead, knock yourself out and make that you know, four hour, 40 hour chess tutorial YouTube channel you always wanted, but don't be sad if no one watches it. I think that's the other, so many creators get upset when the audience doesn't respond the way that you think they should. And that's sometimes it's just not something that enough people, I think that, yeah, want to see for published articles, blog posts, videos, and more check out doconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. See you next week.